Good morning, and welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. It's finally Friday. It's July 2nd. It is officially, well, whatever you want to call officially, but it's officially Independence Day, July 4 week, weekend. Hope that you and your family have plenty of plans going on this weekend to where y'all will be able to get out, have fun, enjoy some time with the ones that you love. Hopefully it's going to be a long weekend for everyone and hope it's an enjoyable weekend with plenty of fireworks and enjoyment with those that you love. Of course, we all love the Memphis Grizzlies and that's why we are here. And today we are wrapping up our player review series from the 2020-2021 season. When it comes to the Memphis Grizzlies, we've talked about all the different players that played minutes for the Grizzlies this year, how successful their 2021 season was, what it means for their future, and we're getting down to, honestly, in my opinion, the two players who probably are of the most importance when it comes to the presence this from this past season, as well as going forward, along with Jaron Jackson Jr., and that is John Morant and Dylan Brooks. In the first segment, we'll talk about John Morant's season, how he got better as time went on and what it means for his future and then we'll also talk about Dylan Brooks and in the third segment we'll talk about what needs to happen for both Brooks and Morant to sustain their excellent play from the end of the year. As always, we want to remind you that you can find the show at Locked on Grizz on Twitter, myself at Stats SAC. My name is Sean Coleman. I've been covering the Grizzlies now for three years over at Grizzly Bear Blues. I've been your host here at Locked on Grizzlies now for going on 16 months. I'm a credentialed media member. Um, you know, Like I say, I've been covering the Grizzlies over at Grizzly Bear Blues. Enjoy doing this every single day because I'm able to bring you your Grizzlies every day, your latest Grizzlies news, insight, perspectives, and honest truth every single day here on the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. And we ask that you listen, review, subscribe. Let us know what you think of the show. You can find the podcast wherever it's available, wherever podcasts are. We also want to remind you of our title sponsor of today's show, and that is Michelob Ultra. It's only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment segment coming up later in the episode. So we've talked about all the Grizzlies players that played for the Memphis Grizzlies this season. Some clearly are in the plans for the Grizzlies long term. Some clearly are more beneficial in the short term going into next year due to their contracts or due to just where they are as far as their careers go. But one and only one is the future of this franchise, the future face of this franchise, the star of this franchise. This guy is the engine, obviously. He is the biggest factor and just how successful this Grizz Next Gen will be going forward. And, of course, we're talking about John Morant. Now, obviously, John Morant's rookie season was full of absolute successes. It was better than anybody could have anticipated. Overwhelmingly, he deserved and earned the Rookie of the Year award that he got. Um, You know, in last summer, when he won the Rookie of the Year award, he told us to stay tuned. He told us that the best is yet to come, and that in, in, during the offseason, he also told us his biggest goal was to stay aggressive going into this season. And that's exactly what John Morant did. In his first two games combined, John Morant scored 44 points in a historic game in the opening game of the season against the San Antonio Spurs with nine assists. And, you know, it was just, it, it was an amazing performance. He came right out again in a matchup against Trey Young and did the exact same thing. But in that third game, as we all remember in Brooklyn, back on December 28th of last year, Jaw hurt his ankle. 
He was out eight more games, and then he came back. As anybody would expect Jaw to do with his mentality, he came back and he was able to play for the rest of the season. I believe the only other game that he set out was against the Kings late in the season. But the key is, is that once he came back, Morant was able to get going when it came to his scoring and his playmaking. But the big thing is, is that his shot and his defense were things that were definitely not taking the steps forward that many had hoped they would from his rookie year. Now, his defense this season was a liability. Let's just be honest. His defense, especially one-on-one, being effective in terms of general defensive schemes, so on and so forth, it was not good at times. He got better as the season went along, especially at creating turnovers and learning how to flash. For lack of a better way of putting it, there were several positions in the play-in games and in the playoffs where Jaw was able to create distractions with his movements and with trying to get in front of the defender and things such as that that led to turnovers. So he's gotten better at being aware of how to create turnovers, how to create steals, so on and so forth. And in time, he should continue to get more intelligent and obviously become more effective at staying in front of his man. A big thing that he's also got to be able to do is fight through screens. It's just hard for him to do it with his body type. And also, at the end of the day, let's be honest, you want Jaw to play effective defense, but obviously, in the NBA today, a big thing is for high-usage players, you want them to be as fresh as possible on offense, and that obviously is Jaw's number one priority. But the thing is, is that Jaw struggled with his shot once he came back from his injury uh, on the day, or on January sixteenth. For the next two months, Jaw struggled. As a matter of fact, leading up to March twenty sixth, on March twenty sixth, Jaw Morant was shooting twenty two percent from three for the season, and the Grizzlies had three upcoming games against the Utah Jazz. In five days. In those three games, John Morant scored 30 points in two of those three games. They were all losses for for the Grizzlies against the Jazz. But in the two games where John Morant scored 30 points, the Grizzlies had their chances to win. As I mentioned before, since the beginning of the 2019-2020 season, John Morant was only the third player who had scored 30 or more points multiple times against the Jazz, joining Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal. But the reason that I kind of point to that as a turning point for the season for Jaw is because before the 26th of March, Jaw shot 22% from the field. From March 20 or from March 26th on for the rest of the season in 30 games, Jaw or 22% from 3 before March 26th. But after March 26th through the end of the season, Jaw shot over 37% from 3. He made the needed adjustments that he needed to because he knew that he needed to step up his game to support the offense. The end result was a month of April in which Jaws' three-point shooting and overall playmaking played a big factor in the Grizzlies arguably having the best offensive month they've had in franchise history. It also was Jaws stepping up to either score to be a primary scorer to a level he'd not been before when was needed, or to be a playmaker when it was needed. As a matter of fact, Jaw, in terms of Jaw's ability to score 30 or more points, he's done that 11 times in his career. Nine of those times 
came from March the 1st through the end of the season. Several of them came in biggest it came in the Grizzlies games where they were playing their toughest competition. Games against Milwaukee, multiple games obviously against Utah. He had four games against Utah this year where he scored 30 or more points. Obviously probably the most memorable two were when he scored the Grizzlies or when he uh, set a Grizzlies franchise record with 41, 47 points in Game 2 against Utah in the playoffs, and then he also had the 35 points in the play-in game against Golden State. So Jaw's ability to score at a high level when he needed to certainly improved due to his improved three-point shooting. But also, there were 11 different occurrences from March 1st on in which Jaw had 10 or more assists. So we look at Jaw's season, and we're saying, okay, for the first few months, Jaw really struggled defensively with his shot. Probably he won't admit it, and, and, and he shouldn't. You know, it's up to him what he wants to admit or not. But his ankle probably was giving him a bit of trouble. He was trying to adjust his game. But as the season progressed, and in the last third of the season, Jaw Morant stepped up and played like a franchise player. He played like an all-star. In the playoffs, in a five-game stretch, over 150 points scored, over 40 assists. Something very few people have done in playoff history. To end the season, from March 26th on, the only players in the NBA to average 19 points per game, seven assists, four and a half rebounds, and shoot better than 37% from three, John Morant and Drew Holiday. The key for Jaw is that he knows now, we all know now, that for a sustainable stretch, and even as the competition gets bigger, John Morant not only can play like an all-star, he truly can show he can play like a top five point guard in the league, as he told uh, the TNT crew before the playoffs started. He may not be a consistent top five point guard in the league, but he surely can play like it. And he played like it several times when the Grizzlies needed him to do it the most during their stretch run to give themselves a chance at the playoffs and obviously to get into the playoffs. And then once he was on the biggest stage in the playoffs, that's where Jaw made history. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Jaw's ability to shoot the basketball is something that's going to continue to improve. But the big key to remember about that part of his game developing, that is not the determining factor in John Morant becoming a star or John Morant having a chance to make an all-star game. That's not true. John Morant already is a star, and he's on the cusp of being a superstar with his brand, his persona, and his game right now. Him being able to add a shot to his game takes him from being an all-star to being a multiple-time All-NBA candidate and perhaps putting together an MVP year or two. That's the type of player that the Grizzlies have in Ja Morant. The big key going forward is can Ja take what he did in the last third of this season and in the playoffs and turn it into a full season of that starting next year? Does he have the capability to do it? Sure. Is it going to be big for the Grizzlies for him to do it? Sure. I think that he will do it because he knows what is needed from him to bring this team to the next level. And we've already seen what he can do when he knows what's needed to take this team to the next level by him being able to balance when to be a pro an elite playmaker or an elite scorer. 
and it was a lot of fun for all of us to witness this season. But while John Morant did better than many of us expected, we all expected for him to step up and be the star. What we didn't expect was for him to form a combination with Dylan Brooks to be one of the better one-two combinations in the playoffs this year. And that's a testament to just how much Dylan Brooks' game has evolved this season. Coming up, I'm going to talk a bit more about Dylan Brooks and how impressive his run to end the season truly was for the Grizzlies. Obviously, with John Morant's player review being in this episode, there's no better moment this year to be the Ultra Moment Player of the Week, the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week, than Jaw's Game 2 performance against Utah. 47 points. In my opinion, the best offensive showing that we've ever seen from a Memphis Grizzlies player. It set the franchise record for most points in a game. And people knew already knew who John Morant was. But I think it was a very, very good statement moment for John Morant and the Grizzlies to remind people of what exactly John Morant could do on the biggest stage. And it brought a bunch of joy and happiness and, and excitement to his, not only the fan base for the Grizzlies, but to John Morant's teammates as well, just to see them react to John Morant doing what they all know he's capable of doing any time out. And that's the reason why his teammates have enjoyment playing with him. Because not only do they know that Jaw can take over a game, on almost any night, but he also loves even more getting his teammates involved for them to take over as well. And that's the key to this Grizzlies team. It's the joy, happiness, and enjoyment that they have playing with each other. You can experience those same feelings yourself if you enjoy a nice glass of Michelob Ultra, watching the Grizzlies or any sporting event that you like. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. The next time, that you watch the Memphis Grizzlies, or in general, get to enjoy a sporting event with athletes or teams that you love, do it with the Michelob Ultra. Today on the road to the finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it, and at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. So on yesterday's episode, we talked about how Jonas Valanciunas and Kyle Anderson had career years in terms of their careers and how it could not have come at a better time for them or the Grizzlies with allowing for the Grizzlies to exceed expectations and allowing for Kyle Anderson and Jonas Valanciunas to step up their games as NBA players to add more value to their games moving forward. And that's a theme for this year, right? That's something that occurred because of the coaching, uh, the job that Taylor Jenkins and his coaching staff did. DeAnthony Melton, Grayson Allen, Kyle Anderson, Jonas Valanciunas, all of them took the next step in their career as professionals in terms of the type of player that they are because they not only got better at what they did well, but through Taylor Jenkins' coaching, he, un, he he tapped into some untapped potential and opened up a part of their game that they didn't have before. But perhaps the best example of Taylor Jenkins doing that this season was obviously in the form of Dylan Brooks. Because Dylan Brooks this season, in my opinion, turned into one of the most improved two-way players in the league, especially as the season went along. Now, of course, Dylan Brooks coming into this season is a very polarizing topic to discuss because of his play in the bubble. There were times when Dylan Brooks was an absolute asset. He was a needed, consistent scoring threat from the outside, especially with his ability to create his own shot, and he performed well, and the Grizzlies performed well, when he efficiently scored 20 or more points. But there also were many games 
where he added to the Grizzlies' struggles because basically his decision-making on bad shots were just like turnovers. So coming into this season, Dylan Brooks talked about it. He wanted to be a candidate for an all-defensive team, and he wanted his decision-making and ball handling to be better moving forward. Well, from the start, Dylan Brooks' campaign to be on the all-defensive first team, or all-defensive team, was right there. He was a big reason as to why the Grizzlies were able to be the most opportunistic defense in the league in the first half of the season when it came to leading the league in turnovers turnovers forced um, as a team in the league. And then when they turned around, and once they got a bit fatigued and they started having to play actual half-court general defense, he was a big reason why they were able to limit teams from shooting the three. Dylan Brooks was able to show multiple ways in which he can be an effective defender and a tone setter for the Grizzlies as a whole when it came to their production on defense. But the thing is, is that you would think with the energy that he played with on defense and exerted there, that would be his primary focus. He would not be that productive on offense. And at times this year, Dylan you know, was the polarizing figure he had been in the bubble, but he got better as the season went along. For instance, in the first half of the season, Dylan shot 39% from the field and 32% from three. In the second half of the season, Dylan shot 43% from the field and shot 36% from three. He improved his points per game from 15 to 18 points, and he just became a better decision maker, along with still being the Grizzlies' priority, primary defender leading the tone. And the thing about it is this, is that, Again, there were different ways where Dylan was able to make an impact defensively. It was being a constant nuisance to whomever he was guarding, getting them off their game. It was through creating turnovers, through deflections, or through energy-making plays. It was through being able to guard the three and stay in position and help when needed. But a big area where Dylan did well was he was the main, he was basically the front-line defender when it came to guarding some of the league's better perimeter scorers and limiting them. You saw it in back-to-back games. with or You saw it within a few games within a week against Bradley Beal. You saw it against Jamal Murray. You saw it against Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum in back-to-back games against Portland. And, of course, you got to see it on full display uh, in prime time when the Grizzlies played the Golden State Warriors within a week to end the season. Dylan Brooks' defense was a huge reason. It was a huge boost as to why the Grizzlies got some key wins against arguably more talented teams down the stretch because of what he was able to do against other teams' primary defenders. But not only was Dylan able to improve his defense, it's not just that he was able to take better shots and make more of his shots in the second half of the season. He stepped up his ability to be a go-to scorer. You never thought that with the Grizzlies fighting for a playoff spot and once they got into the playoffs that the best go that the second best go to option for this Grizzlies offense besides John Morant leading the offense was Dylan Brooks taking 20 shots a game but that's what was needed because he was so good he did so well at consistently making tough shots at consistently getting to the rim and making the needed shots that he that he had to he was simply determined and would not be denied many times now I'm not saying that going forward, Dylan is going to be an all-NBA-level defender plus a 20-25 to point scorer a night. But can Dylan Brooks be perhaps the third or fourth scoring option on this Grizzlies offense and be the tone setter for their defense going forward, not only in terms of this present Grizzlies team, but in terms of the future? I think so. 
I think that that's one thing that Dylan has certainly done this year, and it may be because he played more of the three than the two at times, but regardless of his positioning, I do feel it became pretty clear that Dylan Brooks, we all thought that he was going to be most effective as a off-the-bench, microwave-type shot creator, a six-man-type shot creator, as this Grizzlies team continued to evolve. But I truly do think that because of the improvement Dylan showed on defense and the ability for him to be efficient when he, need, when he needed to on offense, I think Dylan has stepped up his role for this Grizzlies team. I'm not saying that he's going to be the that he should be the primary wing talent on a championship team. I just don't think that that's the case. But do I think that Dylan Brooks legitimately could be? a guy that you can comfortably play in the closing lineups of games for a Grizzlies team that is a sustainable winner or a future Grizzlies team that could advance in the playoffs? I do. Because of the constant energy that he plays with, the unwavered confidence that he plays with, and the overall improvement of his game. But the thing about it is this, is that just like John Morant, there is another step up in J Dylan's game utilization of Dylan and Jaw are going to continue to be a big part of what makes them most effective moving forward. Without a doubt, like Jaw, Dylan certainly took a step forward this year, and he should be commended for that. He, If there is a heart and soul of this Grizzlies team, it certainly is Dylan Brooks. He's the Tony Allen of the Grizz Next Gen, but in my opinion, he's got a bit more depth to his game because of the offensive impact that he can make. But with the improvements in Dylan's game, is it sustainable? Is John Morant's second half of the season sustainable? That's what next season's going to determine. And for the Grizzlies as a whole, to build off what they did last year and to get a good idea of what truly needs to be there for their future core, that's going to be a huge question for the Grizzlies going into next year. With how Dylan and Jaw played to end the season and end the playoffs, just how sustainable is that production? We'll look at that in the third segment here on the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. Month of July is finally here, and while that may mean different things to you, such as half of 2021 is already over, uh, football season is is within two months away. Whatever it may be, if you're a fan of sports, it's a wonderful month. We're about to know who's going to be facing the Phoenixes in the NBA playoffs. The NHL playoffs are already two games into the NHL finals. We're going to see the NBA champion and NHL champion crown. The MLB All-Star Game and MLB Draft is this month. The 2021 NBA Draft is just a few weeks away. And of course, the 2021 Summer Olympics are here. So much going on in July. And if part of what makes you a fan is wagering and betting on sports, I've got the one place that has you covered, and that's betonline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs through the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Make sure you use the promo code Locked On when you head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. 
Listen, we all love options, right? We all love having new options in the NBA playoffs that are going to win the NBA title this year. I know teams love options when it comes to making the right draft pick or making the right coaching hire. Well, for you, you probably like options when it comes to not only adding a healthy snack to your day, but having different tastes you can choose from when it comes to that healthy snack. And that's what you get with Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. A great tasting snack with plenty of health benefits to add to your day. Have it in the morning for breakfast and the afternoon as a snack. Whenever you choose to enjoy it, it's going to get the job done for you in terms of adding a boost to your day. Over 18 different flavors to choose from at BuiltBar.com, none of which are a wrong choice. And if you go to BuiltBar.com right now, you put in the promo code LOCKED15, that's LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your next order from BuiltBar. The key is to do it right now. Because once you make it a part of your day, it's going to be there to stay. Go to BuiltBar.com, put in the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, the Milwaukee Bucks stepped up without Giannis to take a 3-2 lead over the Atlanta Hawks. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up next week on the Locked On Grizzlies podcast, we're going to be looking at a few different ways in which the Grizzlies' strengths can certainly continue to improve when it comes to how this team needs to evolve going forward. We've talked about that a bit in detail right after the season, but as these playoffs have continued to improve, What are ways in which the Grizzlies might continue to improve themselves in order to be able to continue being in the playoff picture and hopefully, even next year, finding ways to advance? Plus, we're going to start looking at the NBA draft, doing our NBA draft coverage. Obviously, uh, myself, I will have special guests as well. Plenty of prospects to discuss, not only for what the Grizzlies could do at 17, but also with the second-round pick. A few of the second-round prospects the Grizzlies could focus on that could make sense to add to their roster as well. That and so much more what's going to be an action-packed month of July coming up here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. So obviously with John Moran and Dylan Brooks, the one thing that's different discussing these two is that there's not a, well, they need to hopefully bounce back next year, or, you know, are they going to be around long-term next year? None of those narratives are out there like they were with other players because we know that John Morant and Dylan Brooks not only are in the long-term plans for this Grizzlies team because of how well they played this past season, but also because of their contracts. Dylan Brooks locked up for two more years. John Morant, obviously, as well through his rookie contract. And, you know, without a doubt, um, he'll get next summer, the Grizzlies will certainly be discussing the max uh, uh, version of John Morant's next contract with John. But the big thing is, is the key for both John Morant and Dylan Brooks. What needs to be done for them to be able to improve their play next season? What needs to be done for John and Dylan to take what they did in the second half of the season last year and put that over a full season? Because if John and Dylan can do that, that's the type of internal improvement this Grizzlies team will need in order to continue to evolve into a team that will have better offensive balance, especially when it comes to shooting from the outside. That's the biggest key for me. 
John and Dylan aren't going to do what they did in the playoffs. I mean, they may be able to do it again in a playoff series, hopefully, in the near future, but their jaw's not going to average 30 points a game on nearly 55% shooting while Dylan does the same thing, averaging 25 a game on nearly 55% shooting. If they do, woo! Happy as can be. Let's let let's make that happen all day long. But it's just it's unfair to expect that to occur. But what they did in the second half of the season, in which over 30 games, Jaw averaged 19 points, shot 37% from three, and, uh, and 47% from the field, along with seven assists. I think that is sustainable. I think Jaw can put it together next year where he shoots in the upper 40s from the field, in the upper 30s from three, and he averages over 20 points a game as well as eight to nine assists. I think that's certainly sustainable for Jaw in his third year. For Dylan, I certainly think 17, 18, 19 points a game is realistic as well. The key for Dylan, though, is that while you value his shot creation, he's the one consistent source of being able to create his outside shot on the Grizzlies team, and you have to have that as a wrinkle in your offense to keep defenses on their toes. Another big thing for me would be able to get Dylan more catch-and-shoot three-point opportunities. He was over 40% in the second half of the season on catch-and-shoot three-point opportunities. And I think that that's another wrinkle that the Grizzlies could use in Dylan's game to allow for him to hit big shots when it's needed, to allow for Dylan to be that guy who the Grizzlies could go to on a catch-and-shoot three-point option as a counter to when defenses stop their initial offensive scheme. That's what killed the Grizzlies against Utah. Utah would be running an offensive scheme out of the pick and roll. The Grizzlies would commit to it to stop it. The Jazz would move the ball around, find an open three, hit it, and the Grizzlies could do nothing about it. Using Dylan as a catch-and-shoot option when it comes to threes not only allows for him to be able to be in a position to where you know he can hit those high-percentage threes, but it creates more opportunities where the right decision is being made with Dylan taking a shot. So the ability for the for the, the key for both Dylan Brooks and John Morant next year is to take the improvements that they showed in their ability to shoot from distance in the second half of the season and spread it out an entire season. They're more than capable of doing it. And you know that they're confident to do it. They're going to stay aggressive. The support that they have with each other is absolutely admirable. They know playing together, they make each other better. That's another key that stood out about the second half of the season in the playoffs. As Jaw and Dylan played more together, and you could throw Kyle and Jonas in there, but especially Jaw and Dylan, as they played more together, it certainly seems that they learned how to make their games better by playing off each other. So you certainly want Dylan, and it's not going to stop because it's Dylan. You want Dylan to be the same mentality that he's always had. If it's Dylan the villain, that's fine. I'll take Dylan the ultimate teammate. Setting the tone on defense, creating havoc, being a disruptor, being a nuisance. And and that doesn't describe his defensive game. It's just that is a part of his defensive game that is more impactful than a lot of other players playing defense. But Dylan being that defensive difference maker as well as that secondary or third scoring option on any given night, that's going to be Dylan's role. Jaws' continued role is to do what he did in the second half of the season being able to either be an elite playmaker or an elite scorer when the time calls for it. Because at the end of the day, this Grizzlies team, you certainly want them to build off what they did this year. You certainly want 
for them to not only be able to make the playoffs convincingly, maybe even without having to worry about the play-in, but you want them to be in a position of where they can advance next year. That would be a great step forward. But to me, the most important thing is this. The most important thing for me is for the young talents that this Grizzlies team has prioritized as being the core of their future. I want all of them to take a sustainable, I want all of them to take a noticeable and hopefully sustainable step forward next year. That's Jaron coming back and being what he was at times in the bubble or what he showed to be in the bubble and what he was during his sophomore year many times. And that's Ja and Dylan, as well as the supporting cast like Brandon Clark and Melton. But it's also Ja and Dylan being able to play close to or even better than how they played in the second half of the season. If John Dillon can do that, that's a big, big, big positive development for this Grizzlies team. If they can do what they did in the second half of 2020-2021, and they can spread it out over a full season of producing like that in the 2021-2022 season, that's going to be a huge boost not only for Memphis next season, but also beyond. And now you clearly have a player in John Morant that could be, that easily could be a top two talent on a contender. But you also have Dylan Brooks, who is a difference-making role player at times, who really could cement himself as being a significant contributor to the next time the Grizzlies are a sustainable winner and perhaps a contender himself. It was a lot of fun to watch the duo grow this year together and improve this year as time went on. It's going to be even more fun next season to see them be able to do it at any time, basically any time that they feel that it's needed because of the confidence that they built in doing it this past season. I think it's very, very within reason for both Jaw and Dylan to build off what they did last year and to step up their games to more sustain, to, to a higher level to where it can be sustained. Will Jaw be an all-star? I'm not sure. Will Dylan, be an, will Dylan make an all-defensive team? I'm not sure. But I do think that they both showed for stretches this year they can be those exact things. And of course, the confidence, the aggressiveness, the desire to do that, it's all going to be there to make it happen. And that's why it's going to be a lot of fun to witness. And that's why John and Dylan are two of the three or four most important talents going forward for the Grizzlies because of how well they improved and how much they shined on the biggest stage this year. This player review series has been a lot of fun. Covered a lot of different players from a lot of different perspectives. It's going to be interesting to see how either the success for some and the struggles for others, how that inspires every one of these players, whether it be with them being with the Grizzlies or elsewhere or you know whatever it may be. It'll be fun to see how all the players that play for the Grizzlies this season build off their experiences going forward. My name is Sean Coleman. Follow me at StatsSAC on Twitter. Follow the show at Locked on Grizzlies. Thanks so much for joining us again. You can find the show wherever you find podcasts. Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Odyssey app. We'd love to hear from you. Please listen, subscribe, leave a review. Let us know what you think of the show. We're always wanting to give content that is relevant to our listeners' preferences. Until next time, happy 4th of July. Enjoy your long weekend. We'll be back with you Monday here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.